This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Kat. In this episode, we are going to be talking about some of the factors that impact us as mothers and our transition to motherhood without us even knowing it sometimes. We're going to be talking with Crystal Clancy, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, about what happens for moms who, in their transition to motherhood, are having difficulties because of their relationships with their own mothers. We're going to get into some details about what happens when you're becoming a mom and your own mother was either emotionally abusive or very difficult. What happens when you come up against these ideas of motherhood, when you've had those types of experiences and you're trying to figure out how you want to be as a mother and how to cope and set boundaries if the relationship with your own mother is still ongoing or the issues are still ongoing. And very importantly, how you can build up your sense of self and your own idea of what motherhood looks like for you. Crystal is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a private practice that specializes in perinatal mental health. She is one of the founding members of Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota, which is the Minnesota State Chapter of Postpartum Support International. She's been a PSI State Coordinator for five years. She's married with two kids who are 15 and 12. She's coming on to share her expertise with us today. I'm Dr. Kat, host of the Mom and Mind podcast where we cover everything related to your mental wellness in pregnancy, loss, birth, and postpartum. It's more than just postpartum depression. I interview experts in the field, and we get to hear real stories of healing from courageous moms and dads. We know that you are not alone on this journey, and now you can know that too. Listen in to Mom and Mind wherever you listen to podcasts, on the pod network, or at momandmind.com. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really happy to hear from you today because a lot of the people who are listening, I think, will be able to identify with with what we're discussing, which is essentially as a mom who's now mothering yourself, if you had a difficult relationship with your own mother, what might be playing out? And I'm just really excited to share this viewpoint and this 
information with our listeners because I think it will be really valuable for them in their own healing. So wherever you'd like to start, please go ahead and start on that. Okay. Well, you know, this topic interested me originally as a personal topic because I did have a difficult or do have a difficult relationship with my own mother. And it really came into play becoming a mom, but even more so when I had a daughter. My first child was a boy. And then I had a girl two and a half years after that and had postpartum depression, which I did not have after the birth of my son. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I've analyzed this a lot about what the factors were. But one of the things was definitely that gender connection between the difference between having a girl versus a boy and the fears that then ended up being projected or being drawn out because of my own relationship with my mom. Yeah, so then this has led to me noticing in my practice, because I work with this population, started noticing over time that this is a really common theme, not always about gender, but sometimes, but definitely for those who have had a difficult mom, so maybe emotionally abusive, maybe personality disordered, maybe really disconnected, and so it just really has had an impact on these moms. Right. I mean, I'm just thinking of how many people this could apply to and in so many different ways. I'm sure having a difficult relationship with either parent, but really specifically as a mother, becoming a mother, and then, you know, all the examples of motherhood that you've had from a difficult relationship would be really hard to wade through. Right. And you know, not to get us off topic, but it could also be then applied to, I've also seen this with fathers who have had Mm -hmm. a difficult relationship with their own father or lack of a stable mother figure in their life. So definitely a lot of the things we'll talk about today are things that could be taken and, and applied to those relationships as well. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how can we kind of set this up for people who are wanting to understand if they kind of fit in this situation. Can you explain a little bit about what having a difficult mother might look like? This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Sure. Well, that's a really big question. Yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. But typically when I talk about it, it's even just having people think back about their own relationship with their mom and asking about how their emotional needs were met in their family or not met can be just a really general talking point with clients. But also you can then get into some typical characteristics about when you didn't try to connect emotionally, what happened. Sometimes there's a great checklist. There's a book by Carol McBride that has a checklist with, she talks mostly about narcissistic mothers, but so things like, was your mom cold? Was she detached? Did she project her own issues onto you. A lot of people will talk about that one-upping or flipping it back onto you if you flipping the blame back on you, lack of accountability. So just again, that their own needs center around themselves so Mm -hmm. that the needs of the child are not being met by the mother. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. That's a really good backdrop, you know, for me and for people who are listening to be thinking about what a new mother who's coming into, you know, her own motherhood experience might have dealt with in that situation. Yeah. Can you speak to, I guess, talk a little bit more about becoming a mom when and if you did have that experience with your own mother? You know, it's not uncommon for moms to not realize this during pregnancy. It really just depends on their level of awareness of it before becoming a mom. There are definitely some women who may say, I never planned to have children because I didn't think that I would be a good mom. But a lot of them really, the the level of abuse or lack of emotional connection isn't always so obvious. So Mm -hmm. it often does not come out until after they have the baby or during pregnancy, then they start to realize, wow, I have no idea. Well, none of us knows what we're doing, right? But (laughs) but I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to emotional connection. Or sometimes they go to the far other extreme as well, where they're overly anxious and overly anxiously attached as well, because Mm. they just did not learn what that happy medium, that healthy level of attachment looks like. Wow. Yeah. When you were describing that in my mind, I was kind of envisioning that playing out between like a, you know, a newborn and a mom and a baby who's crying and like what kind of distress that might bring up if you are somebody who wasn't really taught how to attend to emotional stuff. Like, like what kind of stress would that bring up for, not that you wouldn't be able to attend to a crying child, but just internally what happens to you if you're like, you feel like you're not sure what to do. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of times, again, it can really go a bunch of different ways from, I have no idea what I'm doing to, I don't know how to meet this baby's needs, you know, to going overboard, but then also going to the other extreme of, 
completely detaching. Oh, with, yeah. You know, detach, you know, because you really don't know what to do. And so sometimes it's also comes out as anger. You know, why is this baby doing this to me? Or kind of personalizing their mm-hmm. behavior mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, just, oh, they just really hate me or, you know, things that again are just not even logically possible developmentally, but making it again about their own needs and their own emotions. So, but a lot of times it's more fear-based. It's more this, oh my gosh, I have no idea. Why am I taking care of this baby? How am I going to do this? Hmm. Yeah. There's already so much of that in motherhood. And then to have that additional layer of that. And I imagine it feeling so much more deep and so much more kind of disorienting. I don't know if that's the right word. I think so. And I think just kind of when I talk with moms about their reproductive narrative of, you know, how does that fit with what you told yourself about having children or and what you tell yourself now? And a lot of times they envisioned, you know, again, this is very common just in general, but these moms tend to struggle. Their reproductive narrative may have been that they hadn't even realized that this was going to be a problem. And afterward, finding that they can't connect on an emotional level with their baby. Hmm. Right. And how distressing that is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what can moms do about this? What does it look like? I think if they want to try to take this on themselves, it'll be harder. But so there's always that finding a professional route. But if they do want to try to work through this on their own, I think it's asking themselves who they may have in their village that is a safe person to talk about these things with someone in their life who does validate their emotions and reassure them that this is you did have a difficult mom and I can see why this is hard for you and letting them know that you can learn these things you can learn how to try to connect in a better way with your baby and it's easy in our heads as moms to fast forward to my daughter's going to be living on the streets because I didn't parent her correctly. And so having that safe person. So the hard part may be identifying that person as well. So if you, mm-hmm. if you don't necessarily have a friend or a, even a family, a sibling sometimes that seems to recognize that, you know, community church, sometimes it's church for people, sometimes it's co-workers. If you don't have that person, that's when it can be really helpful to seek out a professional who has an understanding with these types of topics. Right. So I'm kind of imagining a mom who's maybe even listening right now, who's realizing that, oh my gosh, yeah, I did have a difficult relationship with my own mother. Some of the things that these ladies are talking about are really resonating. And I think you know, probably a lot of children who have parents who are who they had difficult relationships with tend to blame themselves anyways. And then here we are in motherhood where we blame ourselves anyways. And so, right, a lot of kind of self-blame or, I don't know, embarrassment. Shame. Is embarrassment the same? Shame. Sure. Yeah, all of that. Because, again, it really just depends on their story. And the- a big part with therapy or just supporting anybody if you run a support group or whatever is that you get their own narrative about that because you know in my own situation my part of my shame was that I didn't feel this way towards my son but I did towards my daughter and Mm -hmm. so really just believing there was something wrong with me that I couldn't do that and other people it may not be 
that. So we have to be careful also to not put our own stuff onto the other person. But just asking, like, what is that like for them? It may be their first child. It may be their fifth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just kind of talking through that with them as well. Okay, right. So when people are, you know, women in particular here are trying to navigate their own ideas of motherhood or experience through motherhood while also simultaneously trying to understand their relationship with their own mom Mm -hmm. and how it's impacting them. And that can be pretty difficult, pretty challenging. Yeah, it's very difficult. And it's also typically with these moms who then don't have a healthy mom, if they do have that mom in their life still, they're not only dealing with their own internal struggle with their child, with their baby, but then they're also dealing with what they believed their own mother might be like as a grandmother. So Mm -hmm. there's this ambiguous loss that comes out about, wow, there's so many layers of what I did not expect this to be like. And typically, you know, the mom's mom is not capable, again, of meeting that emotional need. So not only are they struggling with how they feel about being the mom to this baby, but they're struggling about not getting what they were hoping for from their own mother. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so much to navigate all at once. It is. That's really, it's be a really podcast. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so overwhelming. I mean, I just sort of envision feeling like unsettled and ungrounded, kind of in that experience. Both trying to, just sort of in the middle, I'm trying to navigate these relationships that are important, even if they are difficult or were challenging. They have some impact in your life, and you can't just like you know flip a switch and kind of be done with your own history. While you're trying to connect to your new baby. Right. And I think even not just therapists who work with this population, but even friends or family members or whatever, it's hard. It's so easy to jump in and want to rescue and, you know, push them and just, why don't you just cut off contact with your mom? Or why don't you do this? And, And you can't. A lot of times that is recipe for kind of making them retreat back into their cave of denial sometimes or you know, so it's just really important to try to sit back yourself and let them go at their own pace. Ah, that's such an important point. Again, in and amongst all of the random advice that you're getting from everyone, that just about being a mom, then if you're trying to navigate this really challenging experience and people are also giving you really just shorthand advice, mm-hmm. um, how much more difficult that would be to wade through to, yeah. you know, it might feel conflicting like you know I'm sure there are some feelings of yeah that would be nice to just like cut this out but I can't just do that right yeah and sometimes it's not even the best thing you Mm -hmm. know so again Mm -hmm. you have to just really take it situation by situation and help them find what works for them but it's definitely something that if there's still that level of they're not quite seeing it of taking it really slowly Mm mm-hmm Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm imagining too, for the mom, the new mom, if she's dealing with depression or anxiety on top of all of this, how much more difficult that would be and how much, I guess, more easy things would need to be taken. Yeah, for sure. Do you see that it's more common to have depression and anxiety when there's been a history of more challenging relationships with a mother? It's hard to know what's chicken or egg because when I see clients in my practice, 
that they're already there for depression or anxiety. Sure, and right. it just surfaces as an additional mm-hmm. issue. But typically, I think, I would assume, or not assume even, but I think it's a good theory to believe that that would be the case of, mm-hmm. of that depression or anxiety coming along with that because, again, there's so much shame and guilt and all of those emotions and often a lack of quality support from who they thought they may get support from. And then that fuels that self-talk as well. So definitely, definitely beliefs about depression or anxiety, whether that's feeling hopeless or helpless versus more the worry, how am I going to parent this child or I don't, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have had this baby or kind of things like that. So if there's somebody who's actively kind of dealing with this transition into motherhood with all of that we just talked about, and they still are, they still have a relationship with their mother that they had a difficult relationship with, are you typically helping people to do? Like, how do they cope with this? Big question. I definitely have them be part of that decision because there are times where it's not appropriate to cut mom out completely. And there's times where it may be so toxic that that maybe we talk about it as taking a break, but it's really not my job as the therapist to tell them what that relationship should look like. So really we tend to talk more about what would their goal be with this relationship and what's doable, what's not doable, and then also boundary setting. So things like just trying to find really concrete things that either they can set or say with their mom. So for example, if their mom's expectation is that you call her every day, but yet really (laughs) you're postpartum and maybe depressed, you're really not in the space to meet your mom's need of how can we role play that conversation of saying, you know, mom, I really just cannot call you every day, but I can call you twice a week and being okay with that. Or sometimes it's more just about scripting that role playing piece of how can you respond to mom if she starts to be angry or projecting onto you or not respecting your boundaries? How can you talk through that yourself? And also what are some kind of scripted responses that you can say back to mom? So giving them those tools because they never learned that in childhood. They, the message they got was that their job was to take care of mom's feelings and their job was to, you know, if their feelings were ever important, they were being selfish. So their self-talk is all about, but my needs don't matter. So it's it's literally rewiring of that self-talk of your needs do matter. How can you voice that to your mom? But also a lot of education about that there are going to be limits. Mom is not going to suddenly wake up and say, you're right. I've been so selfish and I'm sorry. Mm, It's just mm -hmm. not going to happen. So this is work that takes a very, very long time. Sure. And that that even reality check about the end result is that you're never going to get to a place where you feel good about this, where you feel happy. Mm. You know, there's always that grief of that you did not get the kind of mom that you deserved and that it's okay to be upset about that. It's okay to be sad about that, that just because you get frustrated with your mom or or slip and and say something that you know she's not going to respond well to, that's totally human and it's going to happen. Right. So, I mean, there's kind of, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but it's almost like a remothering of yourself that you have to do. Um, Totally. 
That's very accurate. Giving to yourself what you didn't get from your parent. Mm, Wow. Yeah, that's really powerful and extremely hard because of the dynamic that you just said. If you were sort of trained and taught that if nothing else, they're secondary, but maybe even farther down the list and somebody else's needs are always more important than yours, even like wrapping your head around setting a boundary would be really hard. Yeah. It is. And that's why it's very important for anyone listening to know that even if you get better at this and setting these boundaries and accept that this is what it is and this is the way your relationship is going to be, doesn't mean that you don't ever have feelings about that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll tell clients in my own, you know, I don't always self-disclose, but I'll say something like, you know, I've been in a better place with this for 15 years. And I Mm -hmm. still have moments where I get really angry or I engage with her when I know I shouldn't, or, you know, again, we're human. And even if logically we know that it's never going to be healthy, it doesn't mean that emotionally we don't wish for that. Isn't that amazing how long we hold on to that desire for connection? Yeah. Uh, Like this is from, you know, like we are born, right? We're born ready to connect. And wow, just, you know, the time span that we are and really, I'm thinking of several different clients in my practice right now who are struggling with this very thing that you're describing is that then the need is still so strong to want to have that connection with your mother or father, you know, in some cases or whatever, but that's years. I mean, you know, women, let's just say who've, who've been there 35 years old and have always wanted that from their mom and to have to really learn that that's, that's not going to happen necessarily the way that you have been wanting it to for that long. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really hard. It is. Yeah. It's hard and freeing all at the same time, Hmm. because if you can accept as yourself, if you can accept that this is because they are just not capable of giving that to you, Mm -hmm. you're able to take that and say, but, and that's not about me. That's not because I did something wrong or because I wasn't lovable or because I was a difficult baby or any of those things. Right. Which might have been the things you were told or made to feel. Yeah. Or told yourself, you know, because again, Uh, like, yeah. Uh, again, a whole separate podcast, but kids, right. <laughs> if, if kids aren't explained things, they fill in the blanks for themselves and it's, it's usually wrong, you know, not accurate information. Oh, right. And blaming themselves for the most part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're, let's say, you know, you're in the work of figuring this out. What have you seen in your work with helping moms through this? How they are able to get a better sense of themselves and feel a little bit better in their journey through motherhood? You know, in therapy, a lot of the work is about grieving and giving them that space to, I mean, again, once it clicks for them, because you have to, well, the first stage of grieving is denial and that kind of once they're willing to see really this is what's going on and giving them a space to feel angry about it. And the way that the way that things went for them and how that affected them, letting them feel sad about that, just giving them that space to have their feelings and validate them is Mm -hmm. huge. Then they're more empowered to do the work that they need to do 
as far as setting boundaries and analyzing the other relationships in their life and Mm. really focusing on recognizing that they can have a healthy relationship with their own children. They can change this story or break this pattern. It's very empowering. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. I think what you said about the kind of taking the responsibility off of them, that it's not their fault, I guess that. Yeah. Okay. So once someone is going through the process and putting these pieces together, you said it's very freeing for them, which is, yeah, I can really see that. What happens for them as they keep going? As they get stronger and recognize, you know, sometimes it's also not uncommon that perhaps they look back and see that they also have friends in their life who also may treat them in the same way or take advantage of them. And so they may have to go through a little housekeeping. And sometimes, unfortunately, in their own relationships, if they're married or have a partner, they may recognize some of those patterns. But once they kind of look at that and realize that, a lot of this is about how do we make meaning and take that empowerment and take it forward and say that making meaning doesn't always mean that there's a reason that this happened, but that giving them a space to define what this means to them and changing their narrative from I was unworthy of love or I'm screwed as a mom, my daughter screwed as a child because of this experience and because now I've learned what I know, I can be an even better mom than I ever thought possible because mm-hmm. of this experience and knowing what I know now and feeling good about breaking that cycle. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.
So helping them build resilience and helping them recognize that learning these things now makes them less likely to repeat it in other relationships, have their children Mm -hmm. have these experiences with relationships and just value themselves more. That's so empowering. Wow. Yeah, that is really a great and hopeful trajectory for this. And and two, to kind of piggyback on what you were saying to break the cycle is that it's very, very possible and most likely that their own mother had a, either a difficult mother, a difficult father, a difficult life experience that set them up to interact the way that they do. And like breaking that cycle so you're not continuing to pass it down the line is really, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to speak to what you just said about part of healing can also be doing some work on recognizing why your mom is the way that she is. Because just like you said, she had her own wounds and it doesn't make her behavior okay. It doesn't mean you have to allow it. It just means that she's the way she is also because she didn't get what she needed. And that can help us find compassion. Mm-hmm. And again, doesn't mean that you won't have to set boundaries. You know, in mm-hmm. my own experience, I recognize my mom had a lot of traumatic events in her upbringing, that intergenerational transmission of, of trauma, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she did not get her emotional needs met and was abused and uh, had really unrealistic expectations put on her. Right. However, she also chose to not break the cycle and try to learn and do differently. And it's just not okay to continue putting yourself in Mm -hmm. that situation that's Mm -hmm. unhealthy. Right. And thank you so much for adding this in. I think it's so important and it makes me think of a conversation I just had with a client, which was essentially that since I can understand why this happened to my parent, aren't I supposed to still be the same with them. And to your point of like, yes, you can be compassionate and understanding, but that doesn't mean you have to keep submitting yourself to the kind of emotional abuse or, you know, you don't have to keep taking it just because you understand it. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, very challenging to grow through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, especially when you've been put in that role your whole life, that that's your job. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's definitely, again, like I said before, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. There will be times or for some people, I see a mad rush in my schedule around the holidays, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you can probably imagine with, I'm sure every therapist does, but with this population about, well, my mom wants me to come over for Christmas and I don't know how to handle that. I don't really want to do it. How do I do that? And, you know, again, we work out something that works for them. It's not me saying, well, just don't go. And sometimes it is, but other times it's, well, could you let her know that your schedule only allows you to just come for dessert? Mm -hmm. Can you do that? Or can you have an exit strategy in place? Can you have a code word with your partner that he or she will know that it's time to go. Yeah, right. (laughs) But coming up with something that they can feel good about while they're still feeling empowered. They didn't, you know, they didn't say, I'm not going to go at all and celebrate Christmas with my family, but I'm going to take control over how long I subject myself to that. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really important. And I'm hopeful that, you know, people who are listening, whether you're, you know, a mom going through this experience yourself or a therapist who's supporting moms like this can really hear that the kind of arc of this healing process that you're describing from recognizing it to sitting with it and grieving it, 
then getting coping tools and skills and support onto resilience. I mean, you definitely can heal through this. Mm -hmm. I hope that it's empowering really to the moms who are listening. Yeah, me too. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I think it would be helpful to share some tools that have been helpful for me in my practice and well, personally as well, but for sure in my practice. But there are tools that you could use whether you are in this situation yourself or whether you're a helper who helps people in this situation. There's a couple of really good books that I really have found helpful for clients. One is called Will I Ever Be Good Enough mm. uh, by Carol McBride. And again, you know, the subtitle is about narcissistic mothers with daughters, but the information in it could be used for different situations. So don't let that throw you off. It still could be a really helpful book. And then the other one is called Children of the Self-Absorbed by Nina Brown. I love mm. these titles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But they're the type of things that people see the cover and they're like, yes. The other tool that can be very helpful for people is I have them write therapeutic letters uh, saying the things that they wish they could say because, Mm. you know, the odds are that having a conversation with the person in their life is just not realistic. It's not Mm. going to be received. It's going to end up, you know, being flipped around and shut down. And so a therapeutic letter about what you wish you could say to your parent. And sometimes I have people write therapeutic letters to themselves as a Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. and give themselves what they didn't get and what they wish they could have gotten. Those can be very powerful tools. And then the fun thing is, is you get to do what you want after some people save them, some people rip them up or burn them, (laughs) bury them, you know, just whatever you want to do with that letter. And then the last tool that I thought was really fun. Try to find something for everybody because not everybody likes to read or has time to read. So I stumbled across this really great, well, it's like a podcast, but it's a YouTube channel. There's no video. It's all audio. So Uh I'm not sure why it's on YouTube, but it is. (laughs) So it's it's called The Little Shaman Healing. So S-H-A-M-A-N. And they're brief little, you know, seven to eight minute clips about ways to handle those difficult people in your life in general. So it's not just about mothers and daughters. So mm-hmm. it's, I love her style and I know not everybody will, but she's very direct. She's very permissive and just really gets in there and educates and gives people concrete things to reassure themselves and, and be able to use in their own life. Oh, that's great. Thank you for those resources. And um, that's, Fantastic. Right. Because there's so many different ways to learn and to heal. And I just appreciate that you are offering all of these to the listeners. And I absolutely appreciate your time and for talking about this topic. And I think it's so important and really valuable for a lot of the listeners because our relationships are on a spectrum. So I think there's something in this for everybody, really. Like if you're even the friend who's supporting a new mom who's going through this or you're a partner and your spouse is going through this, this is really important information to kind of understand the process of healing through this and absolutely for the therapist listening as well. So I thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. Oh, thanks for having me. I love it. Thank you so much, Crystal, for coming on and sharing this really deep perspective on the transition to motherhood and ways that we can really think about how our own histories are impacting us. 
And again, to recap, Crystal mentioned a couple of resources, um, books, Will I Ever Be Good Enough? and Children of the Self-Absorbed, and a YouTube channel, The Little Shaman Healing. If you'd like to get connected with Crystal, you can find her at irisrepro.com. On Facebook, Iris Reproductive Mental Health Services or Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota. And as usual, if this is your first time joining us on the Mom and Mind podcast, please do subscribe so you can get all of our episodes downloaded straight to your device, where you can pick and choose where to listen to any one of our more than 100 episodes. Come and connect with us in our Mom and Mind Connection Facebook group on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.